Welcome into the show. It is 9 a.m. on the East Coast. This is your 6 a.m. West Coast wake-up call in all time zones in between and around the world. It is Monday, May the 13th, the day after the end of the Premier League season. We saw a historic day. It was not a day for Liverpool fans that they wanted. At the at the start of the day, but it's the day that uh, it's the day that Liverpool fans got. It's got to be a bittersweet day to see a team play so well, lose only one time all year, and lose by a fraction of an inch, literally a fraction of an inch, at Man City, and that ultimately cost them the title, the first ever Premier League title. Uh, was that close, less than an inch. And, um, you know, look, Liverpool were magnificent all year, as were uh, Man City. Uh, both teams had had a stretch where there was a little bit of struggle for Liverpool that never really resulted in losses, but but draws that ultimately came back to bite them. Man City were able to overcome their, their losses with uh, wins instead of draws, and and that was the difference. One point ninety eight for Man City, ninety seven for Liverpool. What a year! And I think next year uh, these two teams are going to be going at it again. And uh, I look, I, I think that you're going to see the the league um, very similar to the way it was this year at the top of the league. And I think uh, that these two teams are are constructed. Injuries aside, are constructed to compete for for uh, the title again next year. So you know we shall see. It was a bittersweet day. I was I was definitely it's you know Liverpool's my second favorite team. I was definitely hoping for um, you know for them to to be able to pull out the miracle. And for about thirty minutes, it looked like uh, the dream was alive. And then. Man City started scoring, and that was all she wrote. There was no way back for Brighton. They tried, and uh, kudos to them. They went up 1-0 to start, and then couldn't hold the lead for about a, but maybe 90 seconds, and then after that it was all Man City, and it was Man City's title for yet the second year in a row. So, you know, it was what it was. Um you know, it it was uh, it was uh, it was an end to what's been a back and forth season. But you know, I, I had this feeling when Liverpool went through that that stretch a few months ago where they were having some draws, and then obviously they're really 
unfortunate situation at Man City where where it could have gone either way, and and that that one loss ultimately was was enough to do them in with uh, that combination of draws that came after, and you know that uh, that was it, and so um, but. The, the good news for Liverpool supporters is you've got Madrid coming up. You've got the Champions League final. You can still leave this season with a major trophy. The trophy, matter of fact, that, that Man City wants so desperately to have. So there's still that. There's still a lot to play for. And um, I, I have no doubt that Klopp and those players will be ready. And uh, so it will be it will be a fun watch coming up here in a couple weeks. So... Uh, yesterday, the U.S. women's national team played against South Africa. Now, South Africa were missing their three uh, three of their best players, um, but South Africa was no match for the women's national team. Uh, this is kind of a first of a series of tune-up matches, and um, you know it was it was a one-sided affair. The U.S. women's national team were not sharp. Uh, by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but, you know, it was a game where they could kind of almost scrimmage uh, the way that South Africa kind of set out to play and, and the quality of talent that, that the women's national team have. It was it was a one-sided affair for sure. 22,000-plus at Levi Stadium in Santa Clara, California, which is good. I mean, that is – just to put this in perspective, you know, the women's national team are complaining about equal treatment – from the federation the federation say that they that they they provide equal treatment that there's no discrimination that this is based on commercialism etc 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 well let's go back and revisit the men's national team that played a few months ago in arizona for less than seven thousand fans three times more than three times the number of people were in the stadium yesterday to watch the women's national team compared to the men's national team. So let's keep that in mind as that lawsuit goes forward and um, and the Federation continues to put out absurd remarks concerning equal treatment of our men's and women's national teams. Um, it's, it's blatantly obvious to the casual observer that the um, Federation is not doing right by the women's national team. And I don't care about what you can get away with. I care about what is right, what is just in this area. And what is just is to treat them both equally and and, and create a, a level playing field for both men's and women's national team players. So that's what should happen, and we, and, and, and we should see that with our Federation. They should be championing our men's and our women's national teams and 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 they've got to stop pretending to care to the level that they that they claim to care it's not true it's obvious it's not true so it is what it is um this week coming up on the show we we are heavy heavy gulf coast premier league this week um and they're they're kicking off their season it's a it's a summer season cape cod baseball style summer league season very similar to the npsl um and so the the gulf coast premier league uh which operates uh, texas louisiana mississippi alabama and florida um 18 clubs that are in this league in uh, three divisions they are they just kicked off this past weekend and um so we we've got a big GCPL week coming up. So today we have Gulf Coast Rangers, Gerardo Flores, tomorrow Drew Siders with Hattiesburg. On Thursday, we have Abram Chamberlain of AFC Mobile. And on Friday, we have Chris Petley of uh, Chris Petley of uh, Tallahassee Soccer Club. And, or, and, and so we've got Tallahassee, we've got AFC Mobile, we've got Gulf Coast Rangers, we've got Hattiesburg. Uh, so it, it, it's a, it's a, you know, big week for, for GCPL clubs, especially GCP, GCPL clubs that are based in the, the East division. And, uh, and then on Wednesday, we are, we are taking a detour from the GCPL to, to have James Myers on. He is a, uh, a football coach, talent development guy, scout, um, and he's uh, originally from from England, and uh, it's got really good insight into you know what it what it means to be a baller, what it means to to develop a a sense of of, of personal style and flair and confidence. 
So we're going to talk about that and, and the path to becoming world class, kind of what it takes and culture and all of those things. So look forward to having uh, James on on Wednesday. Uh, that will kind of be the the midpoint and breaking point for uh, a pause, I guess you could say, on the GCPL week uh, on Wednesday. So look forward to having him on. So that that will be good uh, as well. Um, and and G will be up here in in, in just a few minutes after the break um, to kind of kick off the week with uh, the Gulf Coast Rangers Football Club. Uh, I'm not sure if you are aware or if you have seen, but. Um, um, so Richard, uh, Richard Scudamore of, he's the, he's the former premier league executive chairman, uh, said on Sunday, and this is out of the, uh, the AP out of London, the Associated Press out of London had, had a few quotes about this closed off champions league, um, idea. And he said, turning the champions league into a largely closed off competition would be completely out of order. Um, he went on to say that um, if you go down uh, Mr. Agnelli from Juventus, if you go down his proposed route, which is more European competition and less domestic competition, it is bound to harm those domestic leagues, not just the Premier League, but across the whole of Europe. I think it is a very, very delicate ecosystem that we have, and you have to support domestic leagues and competitiveness within domestic leagues and make sure Sporting Merit says you can theoretically start a club, get promoted all the way through the leagues, and get to the very top, and when you finish in one, two, three, or four, you should then go off to Europe. I think he needs to take a real hard look at what this could do to domestic leagues, which are effectively the bedrock of football across the whole of Europe, across the whole world. I hope that this is the start of a consultation and not the end of it. And I trust that Alexander Seferin will do the right thing. And he's referring to UEFA president Alexander uh, uh, Seferin. So, Look, the, this this whole Champions League thing that we covered last week, it's, you know, it, th- this proposal of kind of turning this into a closed-off league with its own set of promotion and relegation, but allowing these traditional teams who have, have been powerhouses, Manchester United, Juventus, etc., to basically stay in the Champions League no matter what and and turn it really more into an International Champions Cup style of regular season event, not just a summer exhibition series in America and around the world, is a mistake. It is a big mistake. It, it would backfire on the culture. It would backfire on the leagues and on the clubs themselves. So I, I really think... Um, in the end, my hope and, and what I think is going to happen is that level heads will prevail and there there will be some tweaks to the Champions League. But really, the, the effort uh, needs to be made across Europe. And this is something that UEFA has got to buckle down on is working on ways for these domestic leagues to be healthier, to be more vibrant. Uh, to be more competitive. The answer is not pull clubs out of their domestic leagues because when you do, you are going to rob the core, the passion, etc., from these these leagues across Europe, the envy of the world. In, instead, what needs to happen is for Serie A to, to become a giant juggernaut the way it was in the 90s. And so beyond Juventus, we, we you need to see AC Milan and Inter Milan, and you need to see a league that is is competitive top to bottom, that is, is creating uh, excitement domestically uh, for its, its clubs and its teams. That's where the focus needs to be, not pulling Juventus out, but instead doubling down and figuring out how Serie A can become even better uh all of europe and all of italy and juventus itself would be better for it not pulling it away from competition and playing uh some other teams more often in europe it's instead making that competition better uh that that would that would definitely drive more interest in in and as well would drive more revenue because these clubs would get better at the top they'd get better in the middle and at the bottom 
that raises everything and you can you can see what the Premier League has done and in terms of the money that is coming in top to bottom in the league and that that needs to be replicated across Europe and that that's really where the work needs to be and uh, and I, I actually think some of this is a little bit of a cop out of doing the, the work that needs to be done domestically instead just saying well forget them I'd rather just go play over here in this other sandbox so I, I think I think in the end level heads will prevail I hope that is the case um, you know time will tell but you know it, it is what it is and and I I'm hoping that uh, that will begin to change that conversation will begin to change from from this closed off idea to really getting into something that would be uh, more beneficial for for all of Europe and indeed all of the world and that is more competition domestically so look like I said thanks uh, for, for tuning into the show thanks thanks for watching the show um, the sponsor for the show today is Charity Water. If you don't know about Charity Water, check them out at charitywater.org. They provide clean drinking water to people all over the world. We will be right back with Gerardo Flores of the Gulf Coast Rangers Football Club. Welcome back to the show. We are delighted to have joining us Gerardo Flores, the director of coaching for Gulf Coast Rangers FC and also the current head coach of the ladies first team for Gulf Coast Rangers FC. Gerardo, how are you doing? Hey, Daniel. Good. Thanks for having me. Thanks for uh, coming on the show. Um, for the for the viewing and listening audience, um, your nickname is G. So uh, if, if people are watching, why does he keep calling this guy G? Um, they'll they'll know uh, now why why that is. So um, look, the the first team for Rangers for some clubs is just one team, but in the case of Rangers, there is a first team for the men's and for women. Uh, so you have the, the men's team and the ladies team, and you're the head coach for the ladies team. But the men's team kicked off this past weekend in Pensacola, Florida. Tell us a little bit about that game and, and, and you know what was the result and what did you guys learn from that, that opening matchup on the men's side of the ledger? Yeah, so the boys have, have gone into uh, to the season, start the season off, and, uh, and, and had an opening game away. Uh, with from what we what, what we have this year is a pretty young team uh, a lot of familiar faces from our first year uh, but a very young team so uh, in, in our in our opening year last year 
the team did have a few uh, older players, um, myself included. I was in there, and uh, even the head coach, the current head coach Daniel Whelan, which he's uh, he's going to be a player coach as well. Hopefully this season, so we see we we will see a little bit about of him. Uh, but this this year, you know, we were relying on or or putting the young boys out there to get a get a good run and get a good test of it uh, taste of it. So I think that showed a little bit in our opening game uh, up against Pensacola, which is a a team that's been around for a while uh, as, as far as their. Uh, I think they were based. I think they were like a, just a men's team that was doing really well in their local league, and I think it's made up a little bit of that with uh, with some young boys as well or some collegiate boys. So, anyway, long story. Uh, the, our our Rangers boys went out there and and gave it a good game uh, away on a Friday night, and uh, and walked away with a two 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 result. Was um, you know opening match? Obviously, you've got opening game jitters you're playing again second season in the gulf coast premier league uh one of the fastest growing uh regional leagues in the country a lot of eyes are on this league watching progress watching the clubs in the league grow and prosper and kind of build and develop and um you know do do you think that with some of the young guys playing for the GCPL um, men's team, the first team for Rangers. Do you think there were some jitters there? Do you think it was just kind of a little bit of rust? You know, I mean, you see this yeah. in the Premier League. You see this in La Liga as well. Kind of opening, opening of the of the of a season, and maybe everything's not quite clicking right. Uh, do you ascribe that kind of first game jitters as part of you know the the learning curve maybe for some of these young guys? Well, a little bit of that, and you know. Coming into the season, like some of these some of these guys are, are coming together, and, and they've only had maybe a week or two, uh, three or four, you know, sessions together. So, our our biggest thing, speaking for for the head coach and, and myself with the women's, is we need we need to be able to talk how we're going to play as quick as possible. You know, what what is our style? What is our uh, our belief? How do we want to play with the ball, without the ball? And so you don't have that much time to get that across. So when when you do go into the competition, when you do go into the game, uh, it gets it's, it gets real. And so I think the first game is tough to to see any of that come to life. Um, but it's still it's still an opportunity to make it happen. And with some of our young boys going in there, just our just our team in general, with our team going in there uh, and having a feel for playing like you said gcpl is growing and and the competition is decent you know it's good um some of these players are, are, are coming off of, of good college years or post players post collegiate years these these players are good so um yeah i definitely think some of our younger boys came into it and said uh oh this is this isn't you know high school soccer this isn't you know just a, just another league so i definitely think that it was a little bit of a wake-up call for for the first game of the season. So, looking at uh, the experience, and I, I know that there had to have been over the weekend some conversations, uh, you know, with with Coach uh, Whelan, who um, is is heading up the, the men's team, first team for for Rangers. What uh, what do you guys see in terms of building off of this going forward? Um, do, do you feel like some of these things are going to get solidified? Or you, you still uh, think there's some holes to fill that you need to try to look outside of of the team? Kind of what what is the thought process in terms of you know examining and and, and discussing what you saw during uh, the opening weekend moving forward? Yeah. You know, again, speaking, I'll speak for Daniel in this in this case, but, you know, we we have what we have and, and we're going to, you know, we believe in, in keeping a core group from from the previous season and, and hopefully continue to build on that for for seasons to come with with uh, familiar faces and and continuity. Um, so is there is there holes to fill i think you're always going to see some weaknesses or some things that you can improve on or, or etc but in the, the day what we formed both these teams for were to develop and expose even our youngest play our young players to the next level so 
you know, if they're struggling, that's good. I mean, we, we, we almost want them to struggle. We want them to be in, in tough conditions and, and experience some, some adversity. So we hope that with the experienced guys uh, that we have, which, which we have a good group of experienced guys, Matt MacArthur, um, now graduated from University of Mobile, Jordan Sinclair, formerly playing for Birmingham Hammers, um, now with us. Uh, so Xavier Ardegon, you know, an experienced goalkeeper. I played for the Atlanta Silverbacks. He's with us. So we have experience. We have the older boys. Um, but no, I think I think it's going to be right knuckle downs and, uh, and 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 try to develop and improve our players as what we have. So you mentioned uh, a moment ago that that as you are building these teams and and creating a blueprint for how you want the men's team and the women's team to, to play with the ball, without the ball. What, what does that mean? Describe that for the audience in, in terms of, you know, what, what, what is the philosophy that you guys are trying to, um, you know, build and set up your teams to play with, uh, with and without the ball? Yeah. So First, when, when when we set up to have these two teams, uh, the GCPL and WPSL were, were perfect for us when we were looking at w- what what was next for us as a club, developing as a club. Uh, and our and our reason behind uh, having these two teams were right. We want our under 16, 17, 18, every 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 kid below us, every kid that we work with. Uh, to, to be able to look at the first team and say, ah, that's what it looks like. And so obviously we want them to support the local universities. You know, we're fortunate. We have South Alabama's women's team. We have uh, University of Mobile's men's team is a top, top form team. And then you have, you know, Spring Hill there, West Florida around us. We want our, our kids to support it, but we wanted the kids to really see uh, and, and be, be behind uh, a team that looked like them and played like we want them to play. So what does that mean? Uh, you know, with the ball, we want to be uh, attractive in the sense of we, we want to have the ball, keep the ball, move the ball, uh, take care of the ball, intensity, you know, uh, and, and have intention with, with what we're doing, an idea of how we're trying to play. Uh, without the ball, you know, we talk about, you know, pressure with, 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 again, intensity, trying to win the ball back high up the field, dependent on the opponent, dependent on the night, on the day, you know, uh, winning the ball back and then executing, getting right after them and, and, and causing problems. I think both the men's and the women's can speak the same language. Uh, it's just going to take time, like, like anywhere, it's going to take time to have this, this style of play come to life. So as you're as you're putting together, putting together these teams, uh, you mentioned that you're trying to bring into both the men's and women's teams players from the academy, players from the youth side of the club. Um, why is that, and why is it important for the Gulf Coast Rangers to have that as a key piece of your philosophy? Yeah, so a, f- a few reasons or a couple reasons uh, probably jump out that, you know, as we sat down uh, two years ago in 2017, we sat down and thought, right, um, a women's team and a men's team for us would bring what? What would what would it do for our youth? What, one of the things is, you know, we're in a small town, I mean, right outside of Mobile, Alabama. So, you know, even Mobile, Alabama is not the largest of cities. So when it comes to opportunity for our players to play, you know, we, we not that we lose players, but we have players that go and look for better opportunities or better exposure at uh, the likes of Atlanta or even Birmingham. And um, so, you know, we wanted to offer the players that wanted the next level. We wanted to show them, right, we can provide that here. If you're patient enough, if you're willing, we can provide a, a higher level here and you can be exposed to it. You can be around it uh, and, and hopefully you can be in it. Uh, so one of our reasons uh, to, to form the men's and women's was to to offer that that next level that our standout players can hopefully uh, be around and, and, and then achieve and, and be be in it. Uh, the other possibly bigger or, or just as big reason that we formed it 
as as we go back to the office and come off the soccer field and come off a, of a weekend of games like so many coaches around the country you know we we might have uh, our frustrations or or are on the the fact that our players and even our parents don't know what it looks like and obviously that's coaching and and that's that we we could do better on the on the training field and but really it's the lack of exposure at least what we speak and what we think is is uh, the lack of exposure that a, a kid has to the game you know they don't know what it looks like they're not up close to see the the intensity of of, of a female or, or or an older player playing and so that was important for us. You know, it was important for us to get them exposed to a higher level. So what better way to do it than wear the same badge, the same crest, the same colors, know the coaches, sorry, know the players because they coach in your club. Uh, so that was, that was probably our other big main reason. As you're looking ahead for the, on the women's side, uh, put on that cap for a moment, you guys kick off the season here. Um, and not this weekend, but the but the next weekend, Memorial Day weekend on the twenty fifth, with a home opener. Um, what are you What are you looking to to see this year compared to last year in terms of progress with the program, with the team? Um, you know, in terms of ambitions, goals. What What are your What are your thoughts there? Uh, wearing your head coaching uh, hat here with the uh, the ladies. Yeah rangers uh team this year yes i really enjoyed last season uh we we were made up of a very similar how the men are, are are made up and we had uh some some of our own uh club players involved in that uh, hannah douse local girl from mcgill Tulin, kate baggett local girl from mcgill Tulin, all graduating now and going to going to play collegiately um we had some co college players representing both university of mobile uh sorry not both, but Spring Hill College, University of Mobile, and South Alabama. Um, so w we were fortunate that the women's team was made up of of a variety of of players, uh, young younger girls, and some some even post collegiate players that were standout players that were still in the area. Uh, so it's tough though, Daniel, because you know because of our model. Um, we, we're not housing players. We're not we're not enticing them to come here uh, to come and stay in an apartment or a condominium on the beach, uh, the you know the Orange Beach or Gulf Shores. And uh, although that sounds amazing, um, and I don't I don't know if that's that's going to be in our future. It, it, right now, it doesn't really uh, fit our our mold. So uh, we're for the player here in the area, the the local player. And, and for our own player of, within our club. So for our women, we, we just want, we just want to continue to improve last year. It's tough. You know, we're playing against the likes of Baton Rouge, um, Mississippi blues, which is right there in Jackson, Mississippi, pulling from some, some really good programs and Pensacola, uh, that, that, that seems to attract a lot of, uh, a lot of players from around, around the country actually to go play there. So, um, Really, we're hoping just to continue to improve, continue to develop our, our girls within that system, and hopefully build a following of young girls that will want to be a part of it, which, which to be fair, in, in year one, the women's did a great job of attracting young female players to come out and, and, and watch and, and support them. When you look at the club and you compare what what – Gulf Coast Rangers football club is to some of the other teams that you will see in both the WPSL and the GCPL, there is a little bit of a different story for Gulf Coast Rangers versus, say, an AFC Mobile or a Port City um, out, of, out of Gulfport, Biloxi area of Mississippi. Uh, what what is the thought process behind being a generational club? Why why is that a big deal for you guys? I'm a big proponent of that, uh, in 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 have this uh, as a core belief of my own in terms of that clubs should be generational. They should go from uh, first teams that are adult teams down to your your youth teams and in 
I think there's a lot of benefits to that, but I'm curious to know why that is so important for the Gulf Coast Rangers football club. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I sat at a uh, restaurant once and, and asked somebody who was, um, I think, scratching the, the the level of USL at the time, MPSL, um, USL, I'm not too sure what it was. And, and I asked a similar question that you just asked, and, and I asked, you know, why, why is there no youth involved in any of this? And and the, the response is, is was you know we don't want to we don't want to mess with that you know we don't want ha- that hassle of dealing with youth or uh, you know I understand that soccer it's it is a business and we're we're in this soccer business as as a youth club and now as a men's and a women's uh, but our main our main reason Daniel was was for the youth you know for it was for our kids it wasn't yeah. Uh, as much as I want to win and I'm very competitive and, and every girl that's going to step on that field and practice hard and they're going to want to win. Uh, truthfully, our ultimate goal or our success won't be measured on going to the WPSL playoffs or, or the national final, whatever that, you know, that is. Sounds great. You know, what, you know, if we get there, fantastic one day. But our, our goal was we want the, the little girl, uh, eight years old, who's coming into Rangers Academy, nine years old, to look up at, you know, Ty uh, Molly of, of our women's team and say, I can be like her one day. I, I want to play, and, and I want to wear that same jersey as her one day. So I, it sounds romantic because it, it is what we look, you know, we, we see that on TV, and, we, you know, we see that in foreign places. But we thought, you know, when we sat down as, as coaches, is that if we if we want that to happen here, we need to create it. We need to stop expecting it to happen um, with kids just falling in love with you know, a uh, Chelsea or a uh, Dortmund because they are the mainstream teams. Why not create it here in our own community? Uh, so again, our, our biggest piece has been, been developing these programs for, or these teams for our youth. And now it's evolving a little bit for our community. We want our community to be a part of it. We, we want the people of this area to follow us and to support us and to be proud of us. You know, but, you know, we're young, so it's step-by-step. Step. Speaking of the community, um, your club, has a, as a generational club, has a built-in advantage to the other clubs that you will face in both the uh, GCPL and the WPSL in that you are a generational club and you have all of these families that are part of your club. You have a built-in you know, fan base, built-in community, um, not just of players, but their their moms, their dads, their brothers and sisters. Yeah. Um, and and so, you know, when, when I talk to clubs about being a generational club, this is one of the things that I, I bring up is that if you think ahead, and, and yes, I get, I get it, there, maybe there's some headaches, maybe there's some extra work, maybe there are you know, other aspects of being a generational club that, that maybe seems a little bit more tedious than just throwing one single team together for, for two months out of the season. Uh, I, I, I completely understand that thinking. And, uh, and while I disagree with it, I do understand where, where it comes from and why that is, is a route that has been chosen so often in American soccer. But looking at generational clubs, this built-in advantage in, in terms of community goes beyond just butts and seats and attendance, and 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 that can be a major, a major boost for a club. It's almost like a head start in a race. You you know if you've yeah. got if you've got a thousand, twelve hundred, fifteen hundred kids playing in your club, that's not a thousand, twelve hundred, fifteen hundred head start when you look at attendance. That's really three, four thousand potential in, in in the sales and business world those are hot leads uh prospects sure. who you know who would be apt to buy whatever it is that you're selling and in this case it's the fact that you've got thousand plus kids playing in your club um that translates into three four thousand people that would be hot leads to 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 turn uh, into attendees to a Rangers men's or women's match, but it goes beyond that. And I think this is one of the things about a generational club that people need to wrap their heads around 
and and that is it goes into commercial dollars it goes into community partnerships and being able to build relationships with business because now you have parents who are lawyers doctors business owners business managers maybe they work in a company and have access to some funds or programming or partnerships and and so you're really able to go and expand beyond just hey how can we get some people to come to a game but then it becomes you can really then truly build in an exponential way all of these other relationships that not only benefit the club but but benefits the community and and it's why I, I think that the focus for a generational club should always be on building that bond between all of your youth players and their families first, because then the community will kind of take care of itself. Everything will, will naturally and organically kind of grow out of that. Have you guys as a generational club and being one of the only generational clubs part of the, the GCPL have you guys started to see coming into year two uh, a little bit of growth in that area in terms of connecting with families and connecting with the community? Yeah, so I think what we've been fortunate to do is um, is be a little bit louder with what we're doing in a good way. You know, one, one of the things that we, we, we were very careful with when we first started going into this is that we didn't want to be the hype and the lights. We didn't want it to be Savannah bananas. Uh, you know, all of this, um, we, we want it to be exciting and, 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 and we want to build a following, but we really wanted to be organic. You know, if that makes sense. We, we, we wanted, uh, to, to your point, we wanted to build a connection first with our family and our kids, our youth. And, and truthfully, even though, I mean, we're in year two, but some of our families don't even know, you know, enough yet. They don't know enough yet. They don't know enough about the GCPL. They don't know enough about, you know, that, that coach Callum Kearney, who's, who's been with our program for four years going on five is now, you know, our center back, you know, so we need to, we need to do a better job of being louder with our good. That's one of our quotes in our, in our office right now is, is be, you know, our loud, our good needs to be louder. So um, is, is there, is there a benefit? Uh, right now with our community and our, in our local businesses, for sure. I mean, we're seeing it now, um, the local Irish pub, the, the local, uh, restaurant, um, owned by, by, by local families. Um, and even some of the, the local chains that are, that are in the area are now starting to say, Hey, how can we be involved? Or let me know what I can do. And so now it's just bringing them to the table and saying, right, let's, you know, let's do this. Let's do it right. And so those are all things that we're trying to juggle and, and, and things we, we're fortunate. We have some support there and, and hopefully uh, in, in a short, uh, although the, the, the summer season GCPL WPSL is short to your point, again, we're a, we're a full year, you know, uh, rocking and rolling. I mean, we're, we're going year round as far as soccer goes. So our men and our women play a short season, but our, our soccer programs, are, you know, from 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 youth to adult uh, are, are all all year long. And that's another important point. I'm glad you brought that up. The the calendar. There are so many uh, leagues that that are playing like a GCPL or an NPSL um, that that play kind of a Cape Cod style. Uh, baseball, you know, summer league, short season, right? Yeah, we're so all you, the same now. Right? Yeah, we're all the same now. Yeah, we so, all play the same, uh, same, same amount of time, you know, however you want to cut it. MPSL, right. GCPL, UPSL, we're all the same now. Right. So when you look at that and, and you're operating with a, a short season, 10 weeks or so, 12 weeks, mm-hmm. it's if, if you don't have a generational component, you're really kind of only open for business about five or six days a year to the public. And, 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 and yet when you're a generational club, you're open for business as you brought up. And I'm glad you, 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 you said this 12 months a year, you've got camps, you've got trainings, you've got matches both in house and your, 
City League, you know, Rec League, you've got your travel teams, you've got all of these parents, all of these families. So there's programming and there are matches and there's training and all of these uh, opportunities that are going on year round that is just building deeper bonds with a community and, and better value, quite frankly, for sponsors because they yeah. are they are getting a lot lot more bang for their buck being able to partner with a generational club versus only a team right, just, that plays you know up. two or three Correct. you know months a year so uh, that's that's a great point and it and, and 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 it's this is not to to be disparaging to a club that that is not generational but there's only so much development you can do over 10 to 12 weeks um you know it it, it's good that kids are playing. It's good that that you know you bring in some college kids out of season and and they play and and all of that. I get that around the country. This that story is told over and over again. And I and I understand. Yeah. And I'm and I am in no way bashing that and saying that's bad. What I yeah. what I'm trying to highlight here, and 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 I'm glad that you you brought this up about the twelve months is the, the benefits of taking the next step, building the next thing, kind of, you know, going from from club 1.0 to club 2.0, um, right. a club that, that's really more uh, modeled around, you know, clubs that you see around the world, clubs you see on TV. You know, you, you have a Liverpool or a Manchester City or an Arsenal playing and you, they're generational clubs. They've got academies. They've got a men's team. They've got women's teams. You see these these clubs embody their city, their community. And yes, are they commercially, financially, you know, popularity wise? Are they on another scale, another level uh, from Gulf Coast Rangers? Course, yeah. yeah, they're they're multiple levels away, right? But. The idea is is that you you guys have gone from just being a youth club, adding kind of the tip of the pyramid on the men's and women's side here in the last couple of years, and are starting to see the fruits already of that 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 two point version uh, for yeah. for you, for you guys as a club, and are now able to kind of start to dream about what what goes from here what what growth looks like for the future what development looks like for right. the future and that's important right 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 and that, that's that's part of our you know again when we came into this you know it's it's all it's all stages is, is what what we wanted to provide our our youth our families our community uh, and then now that it's here all right so how do we now improve what we have and within and within our our beliefs you know what we is what we set out to be how are we going to do that within our frame within our framework so it's, it's going to take time daniel there's one thing macro patience uh you know micro speed so we're moving and, and we're we want to be active and we, we want to grow but we're thinking 20 25 30 years from now hopefully we've set you know we've planted some seeds uh that that will grow and be what a what a cool place i think American soccer will be in the next 15, 20 years. It's exciting because there's so much going on. You know, there's so much underground soccer and the non-league talk, and, and it feels like a new world of soccer happening. And um, I, we're just excited to be to be in it. You know, and, and hopefully, long-term wise, we can see the benefits that you know back in 2017 that we set out to do something for the youth, and who knows what can happen. You know, with years of time. As you kind of, you know, look at your players, your youth players for your first teams, your men's teams, your women's teams, you're obviously able to to get to really know those players because you're seeing them throughout the year. You know, they're in training, they're in your youth teams, they're playing, um, and and so the coaches have a really good understanding of who they are, what they bring to the table, you know, where their development is at, when you are trying to bring those into your first teams and then obviously pair them up with more experienced players. As you mentioned earlier in this interview, you were talking about, you know, some of those players are kind of getting their eyes opened uh, this past weekend and real realizing, you know, Hey, this is another level up. This is another step up. I've got to bring a little bit you sure. know, more to the game. 
How do you take um, that aspect of getting a player to understand that? And I get it in, in the context of playing in your first teams. How can you do that in your youth teams? If, if a kid is 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, yeah. how, do, how do you, as the director of coaching for Gulf Coast Rangers, how can you get your teams throughout the club to, to, to understand what it means to step up, to kind of raise your game, to, to approach yeah. training and development with that kind of mentality so that when they do get to 15, 16, 17, now, now they're, they're getting serious about getting a chance to play with the first team. Yeah. You know, that's a, that's a really good question and, and a frustration um, that a lot of coaches and I'm sure again is shared across the country is, is how do we get this young player? You know, may they be not at their talent peak or they may be talented of their group or age group. And how do we get them to, to see what the next level is or understand, you know, these, um, these levels of competition or competitiveness and uh, the, the, you know, even the creativity, all these things. Yeah, I, I go back to our difference between us and other first world soccer countries. And, you know, for me, my background is dad from Honduras, mom from Paraguay. Soccer was exposed to me every day. You know, may have been my dad's men's league team that I was out there just watching while they practiced or played on the weekend or just when I'd come home and my dad had TV, you know, on and soccer was spoken and soccer was talked about. Um, I think the biggest thing is from our nine-year-old, you know, to be exposed to what it looks like as coach Matt MacArthur, let's say, you know, uh, is, is, play, is coaching them. I'm a big believer that our, our coaching style is, can, can be uh, contagious. So how we coach and how we communicate, how we speak uh, is contagious. And that, that can be learned by the player. Uh, and so now you multiply that, or sorry, you add that to now watching them, watch, having our youth players watch our coaches or our players play. And then what does that do? Do, do, do they then copy that? Do they try to replicate that? Just as they do watching it on TV. But now you create that connection, that spark. You ignite something by having them be a part of it. Watch it. Maybe practice next to them before before the first team trains. One of the things that we're trying to do, uh, I think this might answer your question. One of the things we're trying to do this summer is offer a, a training series that instead of summer camps, get them out there for three, four days. We want them to train before our first team trains and maybe overlap a little bit. So when their training session finishes, they might stick around for 15, 20, 30 minutes with their mom, dad, and, and just watch, watching our first team train, our women's train, and they'll go, oh, that's what it looks like. Oh, that's, that's, that's the intensity I need to bring. That's how hard I'm supposed to run. And so that's so important for us. And those are the conversations that we're trying to, to, to have. I love what you you just brought up there because I am a big believer in modeling. Um, yeah, what you want to see should be modeled. It's it, you know as parents and 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 you're a dad. I'm a dad. It's easy as parents to say you know do as I say, not as I do, right? Um, For sure. And and but in the case of transference and really getting a kid to understand. Uh, what is expected of them, and and not only what is expected of them, but what is possible for them. Modeling is a, is a key component, and modeling takes uh, place in many different forms. Uh, and you and you've mentioned a few of those. One is the the day to day transference that comes in in a mentorship type of role. So you take a you take a Maddie who is coaching. The, the a group of kids and the the relationship that he builds through him coaching the kids that mentorship transference that modeling is is one mm -hmm. one way the overlap yeah. that you mentioned they come to train they stay and watch and they right. watch the first team train now that's another one that's an observation firsthand observation there's right. another observation that that i i think uh, that we are starting to see more and more of with kids is the the watching and observation 
of matches overseas, Premier League, La Liga, yeah. Bundesliga, sure. Serie A. And the more these kids are watching and then they're going on YouTube and they're watching highlights and they're watching tricks and they're watching, you know, behind sure. the scenes. And so the more and more that that happens, that modeling is taking place, that transference is happening where kids and their their vocabulary of the game starts to expand. And, and that's how you start to build true footballing culture true soccer culture in america right is that modeling my wife and i were had this conversation this weekend about our youngest uh son and she said i i i don't understand how he knows everything he's talking about she 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 was like he's he's mentioning this player and that player and and they do this and then and and she's like where did he learn all this and and i said he's he's just around it he's watching it he's 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 taking it all in he's digesting it he's processing it and then it's just coming it's outputted back to you and to me and to others like he's able to start having a conversation about things that you, you you're looking at like you're eight how do you already know this 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 and this but that For modeling sure. and transference is how you start to build a true soccer culture so you have the hand-to-hand you know first person um mentorship that takes place but then you start to see modeling from the standpoint of you know first person witnessing of, of training and matches firsthand but then you're also seeing the modeling and, and the transference come through television and in video and 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 seeing that game you know context start to play out to where now it's like okay hey i want to try this move and because i saw him be able to do this on the sideline and it worked and these kids start kind of going putting this together for themselves and going well i'm going to try to see if i can learn that same move or i'm going to try to See if I can be in the same oh. spot where he is because he, he scores when he goes here. And, right. you know, that's so important. Um, and, and so I think it's great that you guys are starting to build that into the way that you do your programming. Uh, because now as a generational club, it's another benefit. It's another advantage that you have to be able to to build that that next generation and bring them and incorporate them into what you're doing into your first teams. Um, as you look at the summer, as you look at the, the men's team, as you look at the women's team and, and you and, and you look at, you know, what is coming up, you guys played last year 45 minutes away from your, your primary uh, campuses where you train in, in, outside of Mobile. So you were going, you know, another 45 minutes away from Mobile in, in the in the yep. in the opposite direction of Mobile to to play your matches this year you are right there right where you're where you're you're trained right where you play um you know it it's literally you know a five ten minute drive you're at the stadium what what are you looking for as you build up for this year for both the men's and the women's teams what are you trying to build what are you trying what are you hoping to achieve by being right there in in the community in which that you guys are working day in and day out look that 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 was a huge piece for for us and i know this sounds a bit um i don't want to be be a bit arrogant or bold but I, I find it ridiculous that we, we're watching, you know, MLS teams or, or play on a baseball field. Um, I actually can't stand watching even teams play on a football field, you know, with the stripes and, and all the numbers everywhere. I think if we ever want to be talking about looking the part and, and or sorry, if we ever want to talk about becoming the part, we, we need to start looking like it and acting like it. And, and one of those things was, we, we need a proper field. And so last year we were in, we were in a, we were struggling because a lot of the local, you know, high schools or, or fields that we had available either were just a regular park, you know, just a very typical, you know, soccer fields at a park, uh, or they were some of the high schools that, that, that look good, um, but they weren't available to us. So we did, we went 45 minutes away to, to Owa, um, Foley Sports Tourism Complex, which is fantastic, you know, fantastic stadium field. But it did hurt us, you know, it hurt us with the supporters. You know, although we had like 300 people show up, you know, on average, 250, 300 people. That was, that was great. That was terrific. But 
it was difficult for people to get over there. I mean, it was difficult for my wife and my kids to go over there and, and support us. So, um, yeah. So our, our biggest thing, we built a relationship and we have a relationship and, and we just, we communicated our, our, our vision and what we're doing. And, and luckily the city of Fairhope have opened up their, their stadium field of, um, that's been around for, for, for years. But I tell you this, Daniel, it's probably the, the nicest, you know, uh, nicest uh, surface that a lot of these teams are going to play on. So when I say that, you know, it comes off arrogant that we have the, we're fortunate to get a stadium and a, and a soccer field, but it, it was our persistence to say, you know, we, we can't go play on, on the local, you know, football field, AstroTurf, you know, that just, it, it, for us, it didn't fit the, the bill. It didn't, didn't fit what we wanted it to look like and, and, and act like. So um, we're going to be right smack in the middle of, of all the local businesses right in between Fairhope and Daphne. Uh, I mean, when, when we're, we're, we hope to get some community support, we hope to get um, the local businesses support us and want, want our people there. So that's what we're, we're going to put a lot of our energy in uh, before the match, after the match, creating supporters uh, or, or creating opportunities for supporters to learn about us and, and follow us. So how can people get tickets? How can they find out more information about the schedule? Uh, away fans who are going to be coming in for a match to get tickets, where can they find that information at? Everything from, from season tickets or, or you know game day tickets, merchandise, uh, season information, post-game recaps, uh, and hopefully you know some other information can all be found at www.gcrfc.com gcrfc.com and then we you know we have a our 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 social media presence is is daily you know we're trying to keep that up and we put a lot of energy into it so if if people can follow us and and maybe some people reach out and 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 give some some ideas or some ask some questions we'd be happy to interact and 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 talk with anyone well g thanks for coming on the show thanks for kind of laying out what you guys are looking at from a vision standpoint a philosophy standpoint uh, why you created your first teams and, and and also kind of explaining the thought process behind what you do the why you do what you do um, i think it's important for not only your own players and your own players families to hear that and to know that and to learn that but it's also important for other clubs around the country to realize that there's a big opportunity in your community, in your city, in your neighborhoods, if you will begin to adopt this generational uh, club mentality, this philosophy, there's so many benefits. Yes, it, it might require some hard work. Uh, that's, that's even harder work than what you're currently doing, but the payoff in the end, I believe, is worth it. And, uh, yeah. and so I, I, I really do thank you for coming on the show and, and for spending some time, you know, laying all that out for, for everybody, because it, it is, it's the key to kind of changing the culture of the country in the same way we were talking about the kids watching and learning and being modeled about what it is to be a soccer player. I think clubs need to, to, to do the same thing and, and take that next step to build what it is to be a soccer club. So thanks for joining the show. Thanks uh, for coming on the show. And, uh, you know, uh, good luck this season as you continue with both the men's and the women's teams of the Gulf Coast Rangers Football Club. All right, that was Gerardo Flores. He is the uh, director of coaching for Gulf Coast Rangers Football Club. And as he said, you can find more information about the Gulf Coast Rangers upcoming season, including tickets. If you're an away fan uh, or if you're a local uh, Ranger supporter and you need to get your season tickets or single game tickets, you can do so at GCRFC.com. Again, that is GCRFC.com. Thanks to G for coming on. It's going to be a busy week uh, with some other uh, GCPL clubs as well. Tomorrow we'll have on Hattiesburg Thursday. Um, we will be having on Abram with AFC Mobile. And on Friday, we will be having Tallahassee joining the show. And sandwiched right in the middle, we're going to take a, a detour on Wednesday from the GCPL to have uh, a really good chat with James Myers, who uh, is from England. And we're going to be talking about culture and players and ballers and flavor. And if 
if you if you're curious about you know what it takes to become world class we're going to have a conversation about that and, and what it means to be different and represent who you are and where you are from so stay tuned this week it's going to be a busy week thank you for watching the show thank you for being uh loyal and faithful and and, and sending encouragement i really do appreciate it um it, it means the world to me that, uh, that that so many have reached out and, and uh, you know, sent over their thoughts. It, it really does mean a lot. So thanks for tuning in. We will see you tomorrow.